you are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Tonight we continue our study in the book of Hebrews. We are now in the fourth chapter. We are in, as we've looked at our outline before, we're in the section that's on the right, the second yellow box, the exhortation given on the danger of not believing God's word. God's word was given to these people. They knew it was God's word. And they said they respected it as God's word. But what we uh, need to find is that they could have been doing better in taking it fully as God's word and trusting in it uh, and letting it lead their life as they ought. And so we've seen the argument so far that Christ is greater than angels. Then there was a pause for the exhortation to not neglect the great salvation. Then we found out about Jesus in relation to humanity and how God was concerned with us and with him. And uh, then he was faithful in all the things that he was given. He was faithful in all his houses, the builder of a great house, of which we are his house. And so then, uh, having spoke about Moses, uh, we have a lesson drawn from some of the first followers of Moses. And we began that last week, the uh, long exhortation in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. We'll read that because it's part of the same exhortation we're still in, although we've already studied it. But let's just remember, here are some first followers of Moses, and there's an exhortation that was given by David in his day based on those folks, and the Hebrew writer picks up the same exhortation. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, quoting Psalm 95, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry at this generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that no one of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm unto the end. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they heard? Indeed, did not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest? But those who were disobedient. So we see they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Well, that's the first half of the exhortation. It continues on into chapter 4. And now we're in the second half of that exhortation, beginning in Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, let us fear, while a promise remains of entering his rest, that any one of you should seem to come short of it. For indeed, we've had the good news preached to us, just as they also. 
But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, I, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and on the seventh day he rested from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to enter because of unbelief, he again fixes a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as had been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, just as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall short, though uh, through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So we have this rest that remains, a rest that remained when David wrote, even though, as we'll find out, they had uh, long had the Sabbath, and they had long had the promised land, and being a psalm of David, they wrote in it in one of the most peaceful times uh, that they'd had yet. And uh, they'd have Solomon be the king of peace that came after David, but uh, he didn't give any more of this type rest than, than uh, uh, David or Joshua had. But there yet remained a rest, and the Hebrew writer will say, that rest still remains. So the operative words of today, listen to him to get into his rest, the Hebrew writer says that remains for us today. That's as operative now as when David said it in Psalm 95. And the warning of the wilderness generation is also just as operative for us today as it was when it was written for our learning. So again, verse 1, therefore, based on that exhortation before, because they didn't enter the rest of God because of unbelief, it says, let us fear. Well, if they didn't make the, the finish line, you have some concern that you might not make the finish line. Have some fear. Now, I remember hearing one time a, a preacher, he said, you know, I used to read the book of Hebrews and it scared me to death. And he said, but then I, I learned better. It's like, well, maybe you didn't learn the right lesson. Because when the Hebrew writer says, let's fear, I think he means let's fear. And for those who are not believing, they should be quite scared to death. Because if they don't repent and change, death will be the result. Now, for those who are of faith and living by faith, then there is a concern, a reverence for God, uh, that will be met with a faithful response and a following God. So you don't have to live in a dread terror and a phobia, but you do have to live in a healthy respect for God. And so there's a promise of remaining, uh, the promise remaining of entering his rest. So that psalm promise is an unfulfilled promise. 
Uh, it's a new each generation. Each generation can go to the rest of God. So have some fear, lest any one of you should seem to come short of it. So who is it that might be the Mr. Outer? Well, anyone who falls into unbelief. This is an exhortation based on what God has said and taking God's word to heart. The one who doesn't take God's word to heart, he's the one who needs to fear. The one who takes it to heart, he should live in the comfort and assurance of the promise. But the one who doesn't take it to heart, the one who doesn't unite it with faith in his heart, uh, he needs to fear. Indeed, verse 2, we've had the good news preached to us, the good news, the gospel. The gospel was preached to us in the form of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had the good news of salvation and redemption, deliverance from bondage. Uh, They're from Egypt or in David's day. They had the good news of the way to God through the law and through the prophets. And so the good news has been preached over and over. Uh, The gospel of Jesus Christ is the ultimate and truest and best uh, news there ever is. But other folks had good news from God before us, and they didn't listen to it with belief. It didn't profit them. That's a scary thing. It didn't profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For those of us who want, the amount of opportunity for us to hear the good news is just about endless. Uh, We have media on demand, and sometimes people use that media on demand to uh, just stream frivolities into their house, and sometimes far worse than frivolity. And we can have words from other people pumped into us all the time. And so uh, sometimes we visit folks and we see they've got the news on again. It's like, why, why would you do that to yourself? But that's the words that they're hearing. Other people, it's the message of God that they're hearing because uh, they've chosen, they've searched out those things to hear. Or you can have the Bible read to you. You can buy that or download that or find that online about anywhere you want uh, in nearly all the world. And we can have the good news preached to us. But we can have the Bible being read to us, streaming to us 24-7. But if we don't believe it, it won't help us. Or we can hear the the message, uh, you know, weekly. Uh, We can hear the message on the assembly that's dedicated to the Lord, and we can believe it there. And we can meditate on that all the rest of the week and profit greatly from it. It's not so much anymore the lack of information. It's not so much for us the lack of knowing what the content is. It's the believing of the content or not. And and you just think about the person who doesn't want to listen to it. It doesn't want to hear it. doesn't matter how much we play it. doesn't matter how much we say it. doesn't matter how much they hear it if they don't unite it in their hearts with faith. So there was this whole wilderness generation, this whole group of people. They heard the good news. The good news didn't help. They got delivered from slavery to be buried in the wilderness in judgment. Which life would you rather have? Well, I'll pick. Is there an option C? Is there a neither? Uh, But that's what they did. They got delivered by God, who they didn't believe in. And so they did not get to his rest. They were delivered none the same. Their children were given a new opportunity. But they did not benefit. And we have the same thing that might befall us. We know that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. We can hear the word of Christ. The word of Christ is among us. The word of Christ 
is available to us. But if we don't believe, if we don't have faith when we hear, it won't help us. From the parable of the sower. Hear the parable of the sower. If anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. This is the one in whom the seed was sown beside the road. And the one in whom the seed was sown in rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root. But it's only temporary. When affliction or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he falls away. You know, I think the wilderness generation may have been the rockiest soil ever. They saw ten plagues. They saw the Red Sea open up. And they fell away while eating manna from heaven, drinking from the rock that was Christ, watering them in the desert. And yet they still fell away. And if that can happen with them, and so the Hebrew writer says that can happen to any of us, even... Even if we've had the message of Christ. And some of the people the Hebrew writer writes to, they're old enough and have been close enough to the gospel times, they likely would have uh, heard the message from apostles. Uh, they would have known people who were healed, if, even if they didn't uh, uh, have received those miracles themselves. They were there where there were firsthand stories of the miracles, firsthand stories of the things of the work of Christ and the apostles. And now, some years later, they're drifting from it. So, verse 3, For we who have believed enter that rest. So again, the, the fear and the danger here is not for the believer. Right? We who have believed enter his rest. The believer is secure. But what about that one who's no longer a believer? No longer acting in faith. No longer trusting in his heart. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he said, I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. So again, back to Psalm 95. It's Psalm 95, 11. I swore against them. So you, my believers, I'm not swearing against you. I'm swearing against them, that they can't get to my rest. And he's, it says he's been resting since the foundation of the world. So here's the real rest. The rest from the foundation. That's the rest we want to get to. Not just a Sabbath rest. Not just a rest of, you know, even a year jubilee or some other rest of the land. We want to get to the real rest, the big rest. The rest that he's been engaged in since the beginning, since he made uh, and laid out the foundations of the world. Verse 4, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So now, again, the Sabbath was based uh, in Exodus 20 on the seven-day week and on the fact that God made the earth in seven days. So creation week is one of the things that the Sabbath memorializes. In Deuteronomy 5, it also memorializes the deliverance from Egypt. But uh, primarily and firstly, we usually think of it like this. As a Hebrew writer points out, the, the, the seventh day week. So God rested on the seventh day, but it's not just that Sabbath day. It's, it's a greater Sabbath. It's the Sabbath that God's been on, uh, not the Sabbath that we have rolled around each, uh, each week. It's the, the rest of God. So this is said, God rested on the seventh. He rested from all his works. 
So here's God completely resting. That's, by the way, Genesis uh, chapter 2 and verse 2. And again, this passage, again, Psalm 95, 11, they will not enter my rest. I'm resting, and God is saying in Psalms, they're not coming to rest with me. They're not. I swear they're not making it to where I am. Now, again, they had the rest of the actual Sabbath. In uh, Exodus 16 is when Moses first lays out the Sabbath. Exodus 17 is the Mirabah incident where they get rejected and where uh, that uh, uh, is referenced in Psalm 95. So the whole time they're rejecting God, they actually had his you know, rest every week, and they observed that all the days of their life till they were buried in a sandy grave in the desert. But they didn't have the real rest, and when that time was over, they weren't going to go rest with God. They weren't getting to the place where he had ever been resting. So verse 6, therefore, since it remains for some to enter into it, so, so again, Psalm 95 offers the Sabbath rest of God, offers the rest of God, and rejects these folks and people like it from it, God is offering in the time of David, they've been keeping the literal Sabbath, the, the, the weekly Sabbath, they've been keeping that Sabbath for hundreds of years. They've been in the promised land, and they've had rest on every side from their enemies when they're faithful. But that's not the rest that's being promised there. It's a greater rest. It's a perfect rest. So, since it remains for some to enter it, and that includes us, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them, that's them who didn't believe in faith, those who had the good news formerly preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. Well, that's how you'll fail and I'll fail to enter it as well. By disobedience, he again fixes a certain day. And so last week we, we said about this exhortation. It's an ever-living exhortation. Today, hear my voice. The people of the wilderness generation needed on their today to hear his voice. The people of David's generation and all the ones thereafter who read and sang the Psalms, they needed today and their today to hear his voice. And we today need in our today, on today, uh, St. Patrick's Day, Thursday, uh, March the 17th, here at 7.30 Central Time, uh, well, actually 7.30 Daylight Savings Time, but this today, in the year of our Lord, 2022, uh, we need to hear his voice. Today, listen to him. So, verse 7 again. He again fixes a certain day today. That's the day of salvation, right? Second Corinthians 6, quoting Isaiah. Today, at the acceptable time I helped you, at the day of salvation I came, that now is the acceptable time, today is the day of salvation. On this very today, listen to God. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, as we mentioned, hundreds of years after Moses, after so long a time, just as had been said before, and we're repeating even to this very day the same words, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today, hear his voice. Today, don't harden his heart. That'll work whether we read it from Hebrews or whether we read it from Psalms or or whether we'd go back and get the lesson from Exodus. That still works for us today. After so long a time it was said, this is still the thing. Listen to what God says. For 
verse 8, we go on. If Joshua had given them rest, if you have a King James, it'll say Jesus. Uh, Jesus and Joshua are the same uh, name. Uh, the Hebrew word is Yeshua or Yehoshua. Uh, in Greek, it was uh, Yosis. Uh, if I got that J sound right in Greek, I'm not entirely sure I am. Uh, we get our version of the name through the Greek version, uh, not through the uh, uh, not through the Hebrew. Uh, just like uh, the people who uh, spoke Latin did. So we have Jesus. We could just as easily have Joshua, as long as we understand uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the one born of Mary, the one born of a virgin. If you want to call him Jesus, you want to call him Joshua. I don't think he'll mind as long as you listen to what he says, right? So if Jesus or Joshua, the form of the word, uh, they're not, not important. King James actually says Jesus uh, using that uh, uh, that version of the transliteration. So it, here, though, it's talking about actual Joshua, uh, the one from the uh, Joshua, uh, book of Joshua. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after. So don't think the Hebrew writer says, I'm thinking just of the Sabbath rest, or I'm thinking about the sabbatical uh, year of Jubilee, or or something like that. I'm not thinking about anything that was that came when they came to the land. I'm thinking about something far beyond that. Now, they got a lot when they got to the land. Uh, Joshua 21, uh, the Lord gave Israel all the land that he'd sworn the fathers. They possessed it and lived in it. The Lord gave them rest on every side, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And none of their enemies stood before them. And the Lord gave all the enemies to their hand. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. They all came to pass. So the full amount of blessing that was intended in the taking of the land. That is said to have been fulfilled, including rest on every side. But that's not the rest here. That's not the rest of God that's like him resting since he finished all of his work. So he would not have spoken of another day after that. So they were in the land. They had the land when faithful rests on every side, which, well, actually that was kind of seldom, wasn't it? Because uh, of the faithfulness aspect. But that wasn't the fullness of the promise. So there remains yet a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There's some kind of Sabbath remaining. Uh, not, a, not a weekly Sabbath. Uh, not, a, uh, not any kind of rest on earth. But a rest like the rest of God. Resting from all your works with him. Verse 10. For the one who has entered his rest. So when we get to this rest of God will rest from, uh, he also, uh, as he himself rested from his works, as God did from his. So there's going to be a rest, like it said of God, a rest from all your works. There's going to be an all your rest, uh, all your works rest, right? Uh, we know that even in this time on earth, when we come to Jesus, there is some rest in this life. Jesus said, uh, you who are weary and heavy laden, come, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. But there's still faithful work to do under that light and easy burden of Christ. It, it's rest compared to everything else. It's, it's a promise of rest when it's over that's going to be final and full and complete. And that's the rest here. The rest that's final, full, and complete. Like Revelation 14. Right. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, from says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow with them. 
So when you can rest from your labors, all of your labors, as God did after uh, setting up this world in Genesis 2, 2, that's the rest of God. In this world, in Christ, there's always some more to do. There's always some more uh, acts of service and acts of kindness. There's always more expressions of love. There's always more faith to show. We're blessed and given the strength to do it as we go, but we know that our, our rest are, uh, is really never fully here. Our, our eternal reward and our eternal rest is that which the Hebrew writer is holding out here, saying, be faithful to achieve that. Now, having laid that out, that a rest remains in verse 1, be, be, fear that, be fearful that you might miss it, is verse 1. Now in verse 11, for those of faith to apprehend this, verse 11, therefore let us be diligent. So you got two choices. You can be in fear in verse 1, or you can be diligent in verse 11. But if you're not being diligent, you have no reason for comfort. If you're not being faithful, you've got no reason to have anything other than fear. But here we do have the opposite of fear. Uh, we have this comfort this promise with us, then it goes along with being diligent, being diligently faithful. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall short of it, so that we all get to go. We can all meet this goal. We can all cross that finish line in Jesus through following, so that no one falls short, through following the same example of disobedience. So these people, the wilderness generation, they are one of the greatest examples in the Bible. The greatest examples of what not to do. And so there's examples of obedience and there's examples of disobedience. And our lives, like these people's lives, are going to be one or the other. They're going to be, oh, be, be like Jay or don't, don't be like Jay, right? Yeah, Jay did that, do that. Or Jay did that, don't do that. We're going to be one or the other. We're going to be this example of obedience or disobedience. These people were the disobedient. Don't fall. Let no one fall. And so there's so many different ways to fall. These people fell in their unbelief and they're not following God. All the different ways of unbelief really spring from the same root, which is unbelief. And so what is it that will guard our way? What is it that lets us know our way and lets us know our standing? What is it that will instruct us in this way? Verse 12, for the word of God. So again, this all started with not believing the word of God. They had the word, but it didn't profit them. Well, here's the word of God now rightly applied. Here's the word of God that we deal with. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. Is that guy faithful or not? Is he trying to be faithful and not doing a very good job of it? Or is he not try he's trying to be unfaithful and trying to hide it? Sometimes that looks alike to us, right? The guy who's struggling, is he struggling out of weakness or is he struggling, you know, because he no longer believes? Are these honest doubts that this guy's expressing or is he expressing these difficult things and doubts to try to cover something up? I don't always know. You don't always know. Sometimes we get our suspector going and we think we know, but we don't. No, we, we'll know them eventually by their fruits. 
But the Word of God can know them by their intention. I, I can't know what people are thinking till they reveal it. The Word of God knows the thought. The Word of God knows the intention. The Word of God exposes those things. That's why people sometimes don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen to it. It's too hard on them. It cuts them. It, it beats them up. Yeah, it does, because it's true. And if we're in truth, it's a great comfort. If we're in faith, it, it's a great encouragement. But if we're trying to shy away from the truth and slink away from it, it's just beating us every step of the way, telling us you ought to do better. You ought to do better, and you know it. And that's why people don't want to listen to the gospel. So here's this sharp sword. It's a living, active thing, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So the Word of God will do what God wants it to because it's got the power of life behind it. It's got the Spirit behind it. Isaiah 55, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and unbelievably, we might get a little more snow flurry tonight. I'm ready to be done with it. But as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth. We could use that. And making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. And so God's word is sent and it does what God wants his word to do. It'll convict those of tender heart and cause them to come to faith. It'll convict those of a stonier heart and cause them to rebel all the more. It'll harden and set uh, in stone those who are uh, dedicated to being rebellious. God's word will do as he wishes. And so we have this also from the New Testament. For you've been born again of a seed, not a seed that's perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. All flesh is like grass. And all this glory like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This word, this living, active word of God compared to a sword, right? It's in Ephesians 6, uh, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Uh, in Revelation, uh, Jesus is pictured as having a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Uh, Revelation 1, 16, 2, 16, 14, 15. This sword of the word of God, this uh, thing, it says it's piercing to the division of soul and spirit. We can barely define soul and spirit, much less uh, how to separate between them. Uh, what What is the soul? Uh, normally, we if we talk about soul and spirit together, the soul's the eternal part of man that goes back to God. The spirit is that which animates man and gives uh, came through the breath of life. Yet we can hear the scripture talk about soul and spirit interchangeably, and so we, it's hard to have a, a a a firm definition of these two words. And yet the word of God can make distinctions like that, and even with God's word, I can barely make. Uh, uh, a sensible distinction uh, between the soul and the spirit. And a lot of folks think they're the same thing. And 
I can see why they think that. I'm I'm not sure. Are we two part? Are we body, soul, and spirit? Or are we three part? Or should be three part, body, soul, spirit, or two part? Uh, uh, the body, soul is one, and the, and uh, should be the body's one, and the soul, spirit is the other. It's hard to say, but the Word of God knows exactly where uh, these such divisions are made, or or the divisions of joints and marrow. Well, one thing that's the innermost part of the body, and imagine uh, trying to uh, cut in between uh, the joint and the marrow. Uh, you get to the end of the bone, and are you still in the marrow, or are you already through the joint? It just kind of, you know, b- bone marrow, uh, soft and gooey on the inside, <laughs> which is why your dog likes it so much when you toss him one. Uh, but then uh, hard as a rock on the outside, and somewhere it, it transitions from one to the other. And try try to draw a line, a line there. But this is that word, which can do that. And here's the important part for us: judge thoughts and intentions. God can judge thoughts and intentions. I can judge fruit. I can judge fruit. And and honestly, we don't always do just a real good job of that. Jesus said, by their fruits, you'll know them. And uh, that's hard enough for us to sometimes decide, especially when things seem to be kind of a mixed bag. Uh, But uh, word of God, it can divide exactly right. Because like it says in Revelation 2, 23, he's the one who searches the minds and hearts. He knows exactly. His word knows exactly what's in the minds and the hearts, what we're thinking and what we're intending. And that is a universal aspect of God's word. It's not that some people are immune from it. It's not that some people are able to shield themselves from it. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. All things and all creatures are open. So no one's escaping from the word of God. If there's any judgments, if there's any rewards, uh, if there's any rest that uh, uh, might be granted to us or not, God's word will know whether we should come in by faith or whether we lack the faith. God's word will know exactly the thing that we're guilty of. And and God can tell us exactly wherein we failed and exactly the sins and exactly the way we have fallen short or the ways in which we've done his will. God knows. And so there is a humility in that because of our limited knowledge in dealing with other people. Uh, But we know that God uh, is under no restraint, under no constraint. His knowledge is perfect, and his will for us is perfect as well. So for the faithful, trust that it will all work out well. Be diligent to enter that rest. And if you diligently seek it by faith, what's the promise? You'll receive. But you could come up short, and you can't say, well, God, I did this or that. He, he knows your thoughts and intentions. He knows exactly how and where you came up short. And so be faithful to him. Be humble and be honest before him and believe fully what he said. It will turn out well. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Malvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.